0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Who's here? Who's ready to hear the word of God? Okay, there we go. There we go. Who was here on Wednesday night? Yes. Uh man, there's literally no words. To describe what the Spirit of God did on Wednesday night it uh, I think he literally did 10,000 things in, in our collective hearts some of them we recognized some of them we well recognize but it was a night that he marked us and if you weren't here that's okay I mean it's not okay but it's okay you were with us in spirit and so this marking it will carry on to you you know you're still part of the family even if you couldn't make Christmas, couldn't make the first night, So don't miss the next one. Don't miss it, don't don't miss what God is doing in this season, amen? Because if you saw, we were talking about this idea of bringing our first, bringing our best, bringing our ten, what David did, he brought the ten loaves to battle just an ordinary day or so he thought, and he ended up at the end of the day having the song of ten thousand sung over him. And that's what happens when we bring God our first, when we bring him our best, when we're obedient in every season. Amen? So press into what he's saying in the season. Uh, Hang on. We just sang about it. Hang on to every word that he says. So his word does not return void. It always produces fruit. And there's such power, my friends, in agreement Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, and I I see more than two or three here today. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. He's here today. He's with us. The only question is, are we going to agree with what he's saying? See, the concept of the Trinity is that he agrees with himself. Father, Son, Spirit, they agree with each other. There's power in agreement. And when we come alongside and agree with the words that he speaks... There's power in our lives, too. And I believe that when a group of believers comes together, like Wednesday night, like this morning, bringing their first, bringing their best, not their leftovers, not the offering of Cain, but bringing their best thoughts, bringing their best of them, bringing bringing their best. See, sometimes, for some of you, here's a word, Sunday morning starts Saturday night. And some of you aren't bringing your best in the morning because you're not setting yourself up for success. Saturday the night before. Just a freebie there, that wasn't in my notes. (laughs) But when a group of believers comes together and brings their first and brings their best and is chasing after the heart of the Father, it says in Acts 2 that their hearts were mutually linked together. And there's this, there's something happens in the spiritual realm where where when we're desiring the spirit together, there's something that quickens the spirit and he does something. He manifests himself like we saw Wednesday night. So let's go after more of that. Amen. So would you agree as we as we start this first message, would would you agree in prayer with me? Why don't you stand? Holy Spirit, on Wednesday night you spoke and you said, the altar is open. That's a word over every single one of our lives. The altar is open. The altar of our hearts is open. That's what we're agreeing and declaring before you today. In 1 Kings, it says, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And so all the people approached him, and then he repaired and rebuilt the old altar that the Lord had had been torn down by Jezebel. The altar of the Lord. He repaired and rebuilt it. And Father, that's what you're doing in the altar of our hearts. If we say and agree with you, yes, the altar is open. It's been me that's been holding back, not you, God. (laughs) Your altar's always been open towards me. But now I'm stepping forward. I'm coming together with the people, together in agreement, saying, yes, my heart is open. The Spirit says, come. And the bride, the church, responds, yes, come, Lord, come. That is the condition of our hearts. And when we get our hearts linked mutually in agreement to those words, when they become more than just words, when they become a cry of our heart, that's when you come. That's when you break open the heavens, rip open the heavens and come down. That is the prayer of our hearts, God. We're not here to play church. We're not here for a country club. We are here to see the glory of the Lord manifest in our lives and in our city. And we agree with you on that. Come, Lord Jesus, come, not for our our glory, not for our honor, but for your honor, for your worthiness, for your worth, for your glory, for the weighty, heavy presence of God, we say come. And so all God's people agreed and responded, amen, let it be so. Take your seats. Turn to your neighbor and say, we live in amazing days. See, we, we have a choice of how we respond to the days that we live in, don't we? We can either be paralyzed with fear, or we can grab hold to the love and the power and the sound mind that is ours in Christ Jesus, amen? I wanted to, to, to declare over you today that you were made for these days. You weren't made to live 50 years ago. You were made to live fully present and engaged in bringing heaven to earth in 2022, And no matter what the enemy throws at you, you carry something greater within you, the Spirit of God. And what we do first matters. How we start this year off first matters. What you do tomorrow morning first matters. Your offering you've given today first matters. And so for the month of January, we're continuing the series called First And and Heather mentioned it a few minutes ago. You you remember the verse that says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means what he's done before, he's going to do again. And it might look a little different. It might be new wine and new wineskins, but it's the same spirit of Jesus that's clearly identified if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And Jesus said over you, blessed are your eyes because you can see. Blessed are your ears because you can hear. That's why we can, we can read a story from the Bible from David and Goliath. And yes, it was a true story, a miraculous story. The Spirit of God was in that story. And it's, it's an amazing story from the past. But that story is still happening today. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There are Davids in this room that are releasing stones, that are about to release more stones against giants. It's not just some story that happened in the past. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and you are David, you are Daniel. You you can defy a king, open your windows when when the king says you're not allowed to pray and you say, nuh-uh, open your windows and pray. You're Daniel, you're Esther, you were made for such a time as this. These are not just clever stories in the past, these are experiences that you're still presently having through the power of the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? And so with that in mind, I believe that we've entered a season in the world where we're once again in the days of John the Baptist. And God is birthing a voice in the earth, a voice that's crying out from the wilderness, a voice that's similar to the spirit of Elijah. And that just like John the Baptist went first ahead of Jesus the first time, he's calling out this John the Baptist spirit to come ahead of him the second time. Because what he's done before, he does again. The forerunner, John, is you. And once again, Jesus is raising up a remnant, a wild prophet, if you will, that looks a lot like you. Because it is you. Someone to prepare the way for his return once again. And I want to declare to you today that you and I are being called out to be John the baptizer. This wild prophet. Man of God, this wild prophet. We're preparing the way. You can feel it. You can sense the earth is shaking. The clouds look different. You can sense something is happening and shifting in our world. And we can either live in fear or we can live in faith and say, man, we are John the baptizer. We are called to prepare the way to make straight the way to the road, the, the way of the Lord. To be a voice crying out for the wilderness. To make crooked paths straight once again. To be a wild prophet. And I believe God is calling you today. The spirit of God is on you today. He's calling you out from your obscurity. He's calling you to prepare hearts to turn to him. He's calling you to run before him. He's calling you to preach repentance. It starts in your heart first. He's calling you to unite the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. That's the spirit of John the Baptist. That's the spirit of Elijah. And he'll strengthen you as you respond to him and agree with him. He'll strengthen you by his spirit. He's calling you to be very bold in this time. So that just like John, that you will be actually willing to lose your physical head to a king in order to gain hearts for the king of kings. You defeated him by the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony. Heather just spoke about the power of your testimony. And the fact that you are not afraid to die because you know this life is just a shadow of what's to come. The best life you've ever had, you're about to experience. It might be 50 years from now, might be five minutes from now. But if you know Jesus, you're gonna spend eternity with him. It's it's gonna be the most unbelievable thing that your heart could ever have desired. I'm telling you right now, get excited. Let your heart start to Dwell in those three words. Come, Lord, come. John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, as I like to call him. I like the, the action, the present tense. He's the baptizer. It's what we did Wednesday night, right? So we first read about John the Baptizer in the, the prophecy in Isaiah, chapter 40. doesn't mention him by name, but it describes him 700 years before he was born. Isaiah 40, verse 3 says this. It says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. And are those words applicable today or what? Fill in the valleys, level the mountains and hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. It's powerful. Then in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament says this, speaking of John the Baptist once again. It says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. A reconciliation produced by repentance. What we saw Wednesday night, family coming together. That's revival. That's the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of John the Baptist. And this verse in Malachi is speaking of John the Baptist to come, that a sign would be that someone with the spirit of Elijah, the prophet, because they knew the spirit of Elijah. They'd heard all those stories, just like we know these stories. And so you tie this all together, and they're waiting for this person to come on the scene. Someone with boldness, who's not afraid to speak truth to kings. But also someone whose life can produce a turning of hearts, a repentance, a repentance of fathers to children, of children to fathers. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to camp out here today. It's a fantastic passage. And I'm going to start in verse 5. I'm going to read about, we're really not going to talk about John's life at all today. We're going to talk about the events that happened right up into his birth. So I think it's so important when God is birthing something, what happens in the womb as he's creating it is vital. During the reign of King Herod the Great over Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also from a family of priests, being a direct descendant of Aaron. Now, this is awesome. See, Aaron, if you remember, Aaron and Moses, Aaron was the, a, a priest and from the Levite uh, lineage. Now, John the Baptist was about to come through that lineage. Later on in this passage, you're going to see um, the angel speak to Mary and, and tell her about Jesus who's coming, who we know is a descendant of David. So we have, we have um, John the Baptist who's descending from the line of Aaron, the priest, You have Jesus, who's the forerunner for Jesus. You have Jesus, who's descending from David. So you have the greatest priest, and you have the greatest king. This is incredible. God doesn't mess around with generations. He designed a plan for this. So he's he's culminating this. There's a reason for all of this. So that's very important. Verse 6. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they were both righteous before God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both quite old. Sound familiar? Sound like Abraham? A few other stories. One day, Zechariah's priestly order was on duty, and he was serving as priest. He was chosen by the casting of lots, so they rolled the dice according to the custom of the priesthood. So the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. Now stop for just a second. You have to realize that in that day in Israel, there were about 20,000 Levites. So 20,000 priests, potentially. Zechariah was one of them. That meant that some guys may never have this honor to burn incense in the holy place. So this is like the, the Super Bowl for Zechariah. So the lot gets cast in his favor, and he has the honor and privilege to go into the holy place alone and light the incense for the Lord. So this is, not like some, this is something they did once a week, but every week it would be a different family, a different person, okay? So this is not something probably that he'd done before. So keep that in mind. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when the incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear, as we all would be when an angel would appear to us. But I love this. The angel reassured him, saying, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. Pause. I think sometimes in the fear that we face, it's actually grace of God that's being poured out. And that's a word for some of you in your life. Some of you are, are in bondage of fear right now. But most of the time, all the time, the grace of God overcomes that fear if you choose to see it. The angel continued, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. That's incredible. That's <laughs> incredible. I mean, how long have they been praying this prayer? They were old. And all of a sudden, he goes, it's, it's probably his first time in the holy place burning incense, and all of a sudden, the angel says, your prayer has been answered. I mean, that is incredible. If I'm Zachariah, I, I would think I'd just, like, fall to my knee, knees and just say, thank you, God. Maybe not. For your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. Verse 14, the angel continues. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but instead he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner, with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearance. So here the angel is tying together the prophecy from Isaiah, the prophecy from Malachi, which Zechariah knew. And all of a sudden in that moment, Zechariah knows that this prophecy this man, the spirit of Elijah that had been prophesied, that's going to be his son. It's incredible. <laughs> but then Zechariah asks the angel, How do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is too old to give me a child. Now, before we give the guy a hard time, he, I mean, he knew the story of Abraham and Sarah, right? He was a priest. He knew all the stories of what's possible. There's an angel standing before him saying, your prayer's answered. Your son's coming. He's going to be this Elijah prophet. And he doesn't have enough faith to receive the words of God. And he says to the angel, prove it to me. Like, that's not enough. (laughs) What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? And the angel said this. I love this. My name is Gabriel. I stand at the right hand of God in the throne room. And he sent me to announce to you this good news. But since you want a sign, since you still want another sign, here's your sign. You won't be able to talk until the child's born. That shut him up. Wow, since you didn't believe, you will be stricken, silent, and unable to speak. Friends, I believe we're literally seeing the same thing play out today. The Father is saying, I'm birthing another John the Baptist. That's you. I'm winnowing, I'm separating wheat from chaff, dark from light in both the church and the world. I'm separating right now. And I'm raising up a remnant. I'm once again about to bring the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of boldness and power into my bride, my church. And there will be some that say back to me, how do you expect me to believe this? And those people and those churches, because of their lack of faith, are being stricken silent. They will be unable to speak in this hour. God, I pray that is not any of us. God, may we lean into what you are speaking in this hour. May our faith rise up within us. May we believe and step forward into your promises that you are speaking. See, the reason the word of God doesn't have power over the lives of many believers is their lack of faith. The reason the word of God doesn't have power over many of our lives is our lack of faith. All of his promises are yes and amen. All of his promises are true. If you receive them, if you walk in faith by them, and we keep saying to God, show me a sign. Okay, I'll just make you silent in this hour. If you don't believe my words, then you will be powerless to speak my words. You don't have faith in what I'm saying, okay? Then you won't have the opportunity to say anything faithworthy. Meanwhile, this is all happening inside the temple. Outside the temple, the crowds kept expecting Zachariah to come out. They're like, This is this dude's Super Bowl, he hasn't experienced this before. What is taking him so long? Did he not could he not light the thing? Like, was the was a little could he not light the match that day? I don't know amazed by the delay and they were wondering what's happening inside the sanctuary and when he finally did come out he tried to talk but of course he couldn't speak a word and they realized from his gestures that he'd seen a vision or something had happened in the holy place and he remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple and then went back to his own home soon afterwards though Elizabeth became pregnant His mouth might not have worked, but I guess he still had a little bit of faith. And she went into seclusion for the next five months. I love this story. It's so cool. With joy, she exclaimed, see how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. Because in those days, in that culture, it was a disgrace not to have children. And so they're living in this priestly ministry, and they're praying by faith. And before we give them too, too much of a hard time, like, we probably would have done the same thing. We, we all have doubts and lack, lack of faith, but God is speaking us, to us today, Now grab onto my words. They're true. They're true. And what you spoke to me 20 years ago, maybe it's not for another 20 years, but it's true. It's still coming. Don't bury it. Now, Gabriel is a busy angel, because right after that, he goes right from Zechariah to meet with Mary. We'll kind of skip over those verses a little bit, but they're more important because it's Jesus. But I want to get to the heart of this. And Gabriel meets with Mary, and Mary Mary believes the words that he's saying over her, thank goodness. and, And he says to Gabriel, hey, don't yield to fear. See, Mary still had fear in that moment but she received and accepted the grace that God was speaking over her life. And Gabriel said, the Lord has found to delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift and you will become pregnant with a baby boy and you were to name him Jesus and he will be supreme. He will be known as the son of the highest and the Lord God will enthrone him on the king, as king on the throne of his ancestor David. See, there it is, that lineage. So you have Aaron to start out with, with John and Jesus with David. And he will reign as king forever, and his reign will have no limit, praise God. And Mary said, well, how can this happen? I'm, I'm a virgin. And Gabriel answered, said, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and the Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, Mary, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with the son The barren one is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. And Gabriel says this, I love it. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Not one promise of God is empty of power. Nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. That's so awesome she didn't see it on Instagram. She didn't get an email. She didn't get a text. She heard it from Gabriel. And she goes to visit Elizabeth. And Mary enters the house, and, and remember, John is six months inside Elizabeth's womb. And the moment Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, John the baptizer within Elizabeth's womb jumps and kicks. And suddenly, in that moment, Elizabeth was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And she prophesied with power Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege among all others, for your child is destined to bring God delight. See, that's what I love, is we can't fully see what Jesus is doing. We're in this womb-like environment right now, but the John the Baptists, we can sense his presence when he draws near. And I'm telling you, if you sense his presence, you better jump, you better kick, you better move, you better do something. It was a worship party in the womb. Literally. And if any any of your friends that are Christians have a problem or or, or think that abortion is is any sort of solution, just point them to Luke chapter 1. So why would we kill a baby? There's evidence right here. Why would we kill a baby that's rejoicing in his mother's womb at the presence of Jesus? Amen? See, that's the spirit of John. That's the spirit of Elijah. The ability to sense his presence even when you can't see, even in the dark. Like, no, 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 I feel him. He's right there. That's where we need to get to as a people. That's the spirit of John the Baptist. Verse 57. When Elizabeth's pregnancy was full term, she gave birth to a son. All her family and friends and neighbors had heard about it and they were overjoyed for they realized the Lord had showered his wonderful mercy upon her. And when the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, all of the family and friends came together for the circumcision ceremony. Everyone assumed that the parents would name the baby Zachariah, right? After the father. Because no one knew what Gabriel had said to Zachariah in the holy place except for Zechariah. And Elizabeth spoke up, she obviously knew, and said, no, his name is John. What, they exclaimed, no one in your family line has that name. So they gestured to the baby's father, Zechariah, to ask him what the name of the child was. He, he still couldn't talk. And he motioned for a writing tablet. And to the amazement of all, he wrote this. His name is John. Instantly in that moment, Zechariah could speak again. And guess what his first words were? They were praises to the Lord. Praises to the Lord. And the fear of God fell on the people of that village. And the news of the event spread far and wide. Everyone was in awe over it. All who heard the news were astonished and wondered. Since a miracle brought about his birth, what on earth will this child become? God's presence on this child is in a powerful way. And Zechariah was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Praise be to the exalted Lord God of Israel, for he has seen us through his eyes of grace. He, he got it now, he got it. And he comes as our hero, God, to set us free. He appears to us as a mighty savior, a trumpet of redemption from the house of David, his servant, just as he promised long ago by the words of his holy prophets. They prophesied that one day he would come and save us from every one of our enemies and from the power of those who hate us. Now he has shown us the mercy promised to our ancestors for he has remembered his holy covenant. He has rescued us from the power of our enemies, fulfilling the sacred oath he made with our father Abraham. Now we can boldly worship God with holy lives, living in purity as priests in his presence every day. I love that the fact that he couldn't still speak even after John was born, that it took him writing it down, writing the truth down, agreeing in writing with what God had said. Don't you love that? What you write is powerful too. What you come into agreement with verbally, what you receive, what you write, it is powerful. Make sure you are agreeing with the right spirit. Amen? So a couple of weeks ago, or whenever it was, day after Christmas, on Christmas Day, one of the gifts we gave our, our kids was a, a trip to Florida. This is the big gift we gave them. And normally we would fly down to Florida and except we got a gazillion air miles. And for whatever reason, I know the reasons now, but we felt like we were supposed to drive and I didn't want to put that many miles on, on one of our cars. So we rented a vehicle and, and my boy is tall, long. So we wanted like a full size something so that he wasn't all squinched up in the back squinched, I don't know if that's a word. Anyway, so we got a nice full-size car. You don't have to put that picture up yet. And uh, went to the Peoria airport on Christmas Eve or Christmas Christmas night because they were closed. Um, we wanted to leave early the next morning. And I got a Toyota Avalon. It's, it's a nice car, full-size car. It's great. Brought it home put it in the, in the garage, packed everything up, ready to leave early the next morning, packed everything in the car on the 26th. We're, we're everybody's in the car. I'm kind of doing some last-minute checks, and I walk around to the front of the, the vehicle, and on my garage floor, there's like a leak. I'm like, well, that's weird. Maybe it hadn't snowed yet. Maybe it's just water. Reached down, sniffed it. That's oil. That's not good. Oil coming from my rental car. Ugh, you got to be kidding me. So I'm processing in my mind, okay, do we, I know they don't open till 9 a.m., do we switch it out, maybe we just start driving, let's just start driving. You know, the oil light's not on, we can switch it out in Springfield, great idea. Go down the road, I mean, we're calling the, the Avis number, trying to get a hold of somebody intelligent, um, or anybody at all. <laughs> And uh, by the time we got a hold of somebody and and they were ready to switch it out, we were like past Springfield. But, you know, they were like, well, you could pull in an oil change place and have them look at it. Great, except it's the 26th of December. No one is open. We're looking for places that are open. So I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'll just, you know, we stop at a gas station to get gas. I'll just get some extra oil poured in there. No worries. We get down to Mount Vernon, Illinois. Time to get some gas. Get some gas. Look under, went to check the oil. Like, okay. Oh, wow. I don't see any oil on that stick. Let me. Maybe I didn't press hard enough. Yeah, yeah, there's no oil on that stick. But my light's still went on, so, you know, put a quart of oil in. As soon as I started back up, oil lights, oil level low, lights flashing. Like, oh my goodness. Mount Vernon doesn't have any rental car places. Basically the middle of nowhere. We're headed towards Nashville, but that's two and a half hours still from there. So I'm looking at the map, I'm like, okay, Evansville. Evansville is the closest airport location. Let's pray and drive. I've blown up a car before because of no oil when I was young and stupid. Maybe I'm still old and stupid. I don't know. So I'm driving. I'm praying. I got my quart of oil in there. It's obviously, oh, at the gas station, there was another puddle of oil. So it's obviously still leaking oil. As we pull into the Evansville airport, the warning light flashes on again. So I'm like, good timing. So day after Christmas, you know, it's not like there's a lot of rental cars available. We come up to the desk and and the ladies, the very kind ladies are like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. This is like the fourth car we've exchanged today. And I said, well, here's the important thing. I need a full-size car. I see a lot of itty bitty cars in your area out there, but I need something big, right? And they're like, well, we don't have have any full-size you know, uh, I don't know. So we're waiting. There's a Ford Explorer about to come in in an hour. I'm like, perfect. We'll wait for that. We've already gone out of the way. It's it's fine. We'll wait for the right car. So Heather and the kids are out in the lot. I'm inside at the airport kind of waiting and um, we see this. Uh, I had gone out there to check on him. I see this Tahoe pull down. I'm like, perfect. Thank you, Jesus. It's the right car. I f- I'm like following as close, but Not weirdly to the guy that's got the Tahoe, like following him to the airport. Hey, (laughs) standing behind him at the line. And as I'm standing, waiting for him to turn his Tahoe in, which I thought the Lord had provided for us, Heather texted me and said, hey, there's a 4Runner out here, Toyota 4Runner. Benny got in the back, and it seems like it's big enough. Like, okay. And in that moment, I felt, yeah, let's just take the 4Runner. Forget the Tahoe. We could have waited another 20 minutes for the Tahoe. I think we're supposed to take the 4Runner. It's like one of those things that didn't seem like a big deal in the moment. But looking back, it was the obedience of David bringing the bread. So we get transferred over to the forerunner. We're driving down the road through Evansville in Kentucky. And Heather turns to me and says, you know, this is a forerunner, right? Like, oh, my goodness. Because we've been talking about this series coming up about John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. You know this is a forerunner, right? I'm like, oh, yes, you are right. Wow, so I'm, we're driving more, we're processing. The Lord's, the Lord's asking me, hey, I wonder what Avalon means, that car you traded in. So the next time we stop, I looked up on my phone. You know what Avalon means? It's a man-made paradise island. It's got no oil. It's got no oil. You can put that picture of the forerunner up. This is We pulled into the one spot that was available on the beach. I'm, I'm not kidding you. there was no other spots available but that 214. I don't know if it's significant or not. I don't, does God speak through numbers? I don't know. Guys, God is always doing 10,000 things. We might be aware of three of them. Avalon means a man-made paradise island. See, I think many of us, that's awesome. I think many of us are continuing to choose to drive the Avalon. That's got no oil. Just get our quick Sunday fix, a good feeling, positive message. It's a nice roomy car. See, Jesus and the church have become an Avalon for our lives in many times. And some of you have put a, yourself in a humanistic, man-made paradise island. And it feels comfortable, it feels good, but it's got no oil. It's got no Holy Spirit. It's like the foolish maids that Jesus talked about that ran out of oil. There were five that were wise that had their their oil full and there were five that were foolish that missed the bridegroom when he returned, that missed the bridegroom when he returned, that missed the bridegroom when he returned. Don't miss him, don't miss him. So you can make an exchange for the forerunner and that's who you're called to be. You're called to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. You know where the exchange took place? evansville evan means evangelist it's from the word evangelist the exchange takes place in the place of repentance where your heart turns these aren't just clever things that we made up this was not intentional this literally happened to us and the spirit of god said no you preach this word don't settle for the avalon that's got no oil But go to the place of turning. And if you're called to lead people to repentance, you have to go to the place of repentance first. And you turn and you exchange it for my forerunner that's full of oil. The oil is the Holy Spirit. And He's here right now in this place today. He's here with you Monday morning, 8 a.m. in your cubicle. He's there with you wherever you go. His altar is always open. But what are you driving? driving the forerunner with your heart turning like John John the Apostle said in Revelation, I turn to him I turn to him, I turn to him, then I behold him, I see him see we we have to get to our hearts to a place of continual turning, it's not a one, yes we get saved, it's a one time turning, but then it's a life full of turning I turn, I turn, I repent I turn, five minutes later I turn again and I see him I see what he's doing and I wonder how many people today would say, I refuse to drive that Avalon anymore. I refuse to be in, in, in something that, that will break down, that engine will blow up because it has no oil, it has no Holy Spirit. You might be saved here today, but you need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled up with oil once again. And he'll fill you if you will receive it. If you, like Zechariah, will do the opposite of Zachariah and will receive like Mary did, The words of Jesus. He'll fill you to capacity. Remember the widow in the days of Elijah? She was running out of oil, and the prophet said, Go borrow as many pots as you can from your neighbors. And so she did. And guess what? God filled every single one of those containers up with oil. I tell you this, I promise you this, if she would have got one more or 10,000 more, God would have filled them all up too. He doesn't run out of oil. We run out of the the ability to give him the capacity to fill it up. What are you going to set up in front of him? Because he will fill it to overflowing. And some of you just put a tiny little container out there and he's saying, No, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of you. You can have as much of him as you want. Find some more containers, let him fill it up to overflowing. Are you ready to open your heart once again to him? Are you ready to say and see yourself as he sees you, as John the baptizer, and fully and completely surrender to his name for the spirit of God to to pour through you so that others can be filled too? See, I'm declaring here today that your time of silence like Zechariah, is over. Your days of silence is over. And just like Zechariah's mouth, yours is now being opened because you're writing the truth, because you're speaking the truth, because you're agreeing with what he is saying. What was closed is now open to allow the words of faith to rise up in you to speak the words of God. See, so here's the thing. In order to speak the words of God, you must first receive the words of God. That's what Zechariah didn't do the first time. And he had to spend nine months in silence first. But once he wrote down the truth, His name is John. It unleashed the Holy Spirit within him. And I believe God is writing those words down over your life today. He's saying, you are John. You are John. You have the spirit of Elijah. You are the baptizer. I'm putting this on you. Will you receive it? It's not a joke. It's not a clever story. It's real. We're in times that you are are being winnowed and you're either gonna, Remain a seed or you're going to be a chaff that just blows away. And the choice is yours. You are the forerunner. You can be full of oil. You are not chasing a man-made paradise but you're chasing a God-spoken word. Will you agree with him? Why don't you stand on your feet? You're called to be a voice to the nations. You're called to not delay, to have a sense of urgency. You're called to be a voice calling from the wilderness. You're called to make crooked ways straight. You're called to preach with boldness and clarity to cut through the garbage of this world in the face of kings and CEOs. Your name is John the Baptizer. called to turn the hearts of children to their fathers and fathers to their children. You're called to a life of repentance. You're called even to lose your head if need be in order to gain hearts. If you agree with this word of faith today, I want you to just receive with your hands and your heart. See, some of us will usher in the light and others will stay asleep in the dark. There's a focus required to fix our eyes on one name, one voice. There's an urgency required to respond to this call. See, right after Zachariah's mouth had been opened and he praised God, he prayed this prophecy over little John, little eight-day-old John. We just stepped into year eight of this church. And so I believe today that Zachariah's prophecy over John is your prophecy too, is our prophecy too. So I just want you to open your hands in this moment and agree with these words over your life. These are words being spoken from the throne room over your heart. They're just as true for John as they are for you. And I want you to agree with them. I want you to write them down later. I want you to speak them. But I want them to shift your spirit. I want them to awaken something in your soul. To put you in drive, if you will. You're not driving the Avalon anymore. You're called to be a forerunner. This is the voice of the Father over your life. He's waiting for you to step into this. You have to choose it. You have to step into it. You have to raise your voice alongside of it. And so I prophesy this, and to you I prophesy, my little son. The words of Zechariah and the words of the Father over your life. I prophesy to you, my little son, you will be known as the prophet of the glorious God, for you will be a forerunner. Going before the face of the Master. Yahweh to prepare hearts, to embrace his ways. You will preach to his people the revelation of salvation life, the cancellation of all of our sins to bring us back to God. The splendor light of heaven's glorious sunrise is about to break upon us in holy visitation, all because the merciful heart of our father is so very tender. The word Jesus from heaven will come to us with dazzling light to shine upon those who live in darkness near death's dark shadow, and he will illuminate the path that leads to the way of peace. Thank you, Father, for these words. We agree. We agree. We agree that we are the wild ones. We are the voice. We set our hearts out for you to pour your fresh oil into us, God. We don't want to live an Avalon life. We don't want to live a life of man-made paradise. We want to live fully dedicated to you. We want to be the forerunners. You've placed us here, God. Help us walk straight. That we would call crooked things to be made straight. That we'd fill in valleys. That we would level mountains before your face, Father. We submit to you. We thank you for your word on our life. And all God's people agreed.